0: Uh, tell me about like uh, like your childhood with your uh, brothers and some of your family.
1: Yeah, that's a <laughs> – because it's funny because I thought you were going to be like, oh, Venezuela. And it's like there's not much Venezuela in my childhood. Um, yeah, yeah. I came here when I turned six. Yeah. And so uh, like on my birthday. How, what's actually, the age difference between you and your brother? Um, I was born 95. Daniel was 93. Jesus was 90. Okay. Um, So – Jesus is five years older than me and Daniel is two years older than me. Okay. So interesting. Two, three, two. Yeah, there's a seven
0: year difference between my brother and I. So it's a bit of a, it's an interesting dynamic comparing the two, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. We're, we're close enough to where it's like we, we were always able to like relate to each other. Um, Jesus being the oldest, he, like to me, he was just like the coolest one. So like I'd like admire him the most. Yeah. Uh, here you go, Jesus. Here's your, your, back to cooking, <laughs> i guess uh, <laughs> but like uh daniel and i uh would also spend a lot of time together uh because we did at least spend like periods of time where we went to the same school whereas with Asus i didn't because he was five yeah, years yeah older. much older um and so uh, which is funny because like sable and jesus are the same age and so it's like the relation oh, wow. is still a little different, but like, um, so I don't know. The relation is there.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: But like, whenever I refer to like growing up and my family, I always say like us mm-hmm. because like as soon Daniel and I were s- such a unit. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that like. We we did everything together, and all the inside jokes were with us, and like can, everything was just together. I can
0: totally relate. Oh, uh, absolutely,
1: yeah. And and I don't know. It, it's kind of different being three instead of two. Like Daniel and I did have our like pair time a lot, but like with the three of us, it's like a different dynamic. It it's the same. I mean, I've been podcasting for like over four years now and it's like the same dynamic of like podcasting with two people as opposed to with three people like conversations kind of like ping together yeah. more intricately or something and like how we feed off of each other's energy has always been like curiosity and like wanting to one-up each other and <laughs> like <laughs> uh like adding to each other's jokes and stuff like that. And yeah. so that's kind of always been what that is. And then because of the like hierarchical nature of like siblings, Absolutely. it is sort of like anytime Jesus would discover something, he would like show us and we'd be like, whoa, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, and then like Daniel would discover something and then show it to me. And I'd be like, whoa, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then I would always kind of be late just because, like, I don't have anything to show them because they're, like, so much cooler than me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, man. My relationship with my brother, uh, like, I-, I adore that kid so much. Mm. Uh, and I still I- – I do view him as much younger than me. Um, uh, But I also do see him as a peer in many ways, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a lot – he's older now than he was when we were both children. Yeah. Because uh, he's 21 now.
2: Mm.
0: But, I mean <laughs> – as far I mean, the kid is, he's a genius in many ways. (laughs) Uh, There's no way, other way to put it. The kid is a computer whiz, you know? (laughs) So, uh, and even though I do consider myself his senior in some ways, I mean, there's been, he and I like to get into really deep conversations Mm -hmm. too, you know, like as I'm sure you have done with your brothers plenty of times, but, um, he and I, we get into these really deep conversations and then, he surprisingly forces me to question my beliefs. And <laughs> I mean, with his little brain, or not little, but you know what I mean? <laughs> little. <laughs> you're very smart, Che. And I'm not, uh, his name's Che, by the way. Uh, but yeah. So, I mean, just, I'm actually extremely grateful for the fact that I have a, someone who I relate to that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, he, I, I would definitely describe him as like one of my best friends. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, and and the fact that he is so intelligent and can force me to question my own beliefs is mm-hmm. like that's invaluable, I think.
1: I feel like it does say something about your relationship because like even the way that you're talking – about him is sort of like an older brother down yeah yeah maybe so even the way that i just talked about my brothers is like a younger brother up yeah and so there's always it's kind of weird too because like i don't know we're all adults now we're all grown up we have mm-hmm. like our own lives that we're living and stuff like that but it still feels like every time i'm with my brothers i like I can't do enough because like, they're just so much better than me. And it's like, <laughs> somehow they always like put me back down in my like younger brother like, yeah. place. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I, I, you know, I have a, I have a tendency to do that probably as well. Uh, uh, like luckily, I think one of the things that we do bond on is the fact that we kind of do have that sort of, uh, inside kind of joke thing that mm-hmm. we, and we like to tease our parents a lot, Yeah, you know, which they're kind of <laughs> like, that's always a good way of bonding is to have a common enemy in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not that we don't love our parents, but it's, it's so fun to just make fun of them. Mm-hmm. And, and then we kind of get a rise out of each other and like, that's, that's a really awesome and fun thing to do. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: and then, you know. Uh, he plays music, so that's always been something we bonded on. Yeah. And then, um, and computers and video games and uh, uh, and philosophy and yeah, know, deep, exactly. deep conversations. Yeah, those are always all been things that I've just been extremely rewarded with my relationship with him. So
1: yeah, and it's an interesting thing is that like I don't know for for me or from my perspective as the youngest brother, it is kind of like I. <laughs> In a weird way, like, there's always this feeling that, like, the youngest of a family is, like, the one that's treated the most nicely or, oh, like, the I, favorite I, I or think, whatever.
0: <laughs> I I can relate to that. Yeah. Sort of yeah.
1: <laughs> and so, like, I, I acknowledge that and I yeah. probably, like, have gotten it better. But at the same time, it is, like, I've gotten to see two versions of myself deal with things uh, at their steps yep. in growth and then i learned from their mistakes and and then they also like as i was growing up would tell me that like oh whenever like you're doing this don't do that and whenever oh, yeah like, here I, don't do this and <laughs> do this instead yeah and,
0: no, i mean my brother like he's been uh, he's definitely done the same thing like yeah. he's, i've i've made some mistakes and he <laughs> he knows what they are you know so i mean i and i'm i'm happy that i was able to not only experience that and but and help him but also like like the, the family dynamic of him going through that. And I, I don't know, there's a lot of things that I'm, you know, ironically enough, I, I think it would have been far fo- cause my brother, he's, he's actually very um, headstrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh if, and I'm like, I have a more introverted uh, yeah, demeanor yeah. and I'm more, um I'm, more uh, quiet, I, uh, kind of kind-hearted, I think, a little mm. bit. Um, I th- And my mom and I always make this joke that if he had been born first and I was born second, <laughs> I would have just been steamrolled. You know? <laughs> so, like, it, it's good that I was born first because I at least had that seniority on my side a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I guess kind of thinking back to, like, I guess what it was like growing up, uh, we did we didn't move a lot. And so the... I guess the dynamic of, like, kind of always being new kids as well is that we, we kind of went to each other rather than, like, out. And so, like, once we, like, had stayed in one place long enough, we, like, did branch out and get, like, you know, more solid friends. But, like, f- up until, like, middle school... Yeah, we, like
0: I can hundred percent relate to that. Like, <laughs> I moved around all the time as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never stayed in the same place for longer than a year. Yeah. So, I uh, um, like I said, yeah, I didn't. I, I would have like a best friend here, and then a new friend over here, and mm-hmm. you know, we lived in all all kinds of different states, and um, and I didn't actually uh, stay in the same location until I got to high school, uh, yeah, which was like you know Chandler High School, a small school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've actually been. It's strangely enough, I've been in Edmund for probably ten years, <laughs> probably more. Actually, I don't. I'm not sure exactly. But mm-hmm. um, moving around can be a, a strange. I, I think it's a really rewarding experience. Sure, because you you do um, see a lot of the,
1: the United States, or mm-hmm. and also. Well, we we didn't get to move that much. We just moved like around the Oklahoma City oh, area, okay. and okay. so it was like just. Just similar enough to be like, <laughs> it's the same place, that's interesting. but it's like, it was just, oh, all of your friends that you see every day, like, all right, here's okay. a different school, and all so right. now you don't yeah. see them. Mine men. was
0: like very much a yeah, lot of and that's, traveling.
1: That's very different, because yeah. it's then it's not even like... Because at least we went to the same, like, church growing yeah. up the whole time. Yeah. So, like, there's at least some foundations. But yeah. Like,
0: there was yeah. no consistency, like, <laughs> with mine. It was, like, basically my family is, like, the consistency, mm-hmm. like, you know. Um, and, no, I, I look back on that experience. Uh, uh, I do I, – I, I, I regard it highly mm-hmm. because um, being an introvert, uh, I think it forced me to um, – come out of my shell a little bit
2: mm-hmm.
0: and um, be capable of like engaging with people. Cause yeah. if I didn't, then I was basically just alone, like, alone and isolated a lot mm-hmm. of the time. So yeah, I, I, that was, that was something that was really good. And I, I learned a lot from that, trying to build relationships over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, practices practice, is, practice <laughs> makes perfect, <laughs> I guess, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I wouldn't do it any differently at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I I actually love the fact that I've been able to stay here for so long now because sure. cause I've actually div- made developed some really great friendships with your brother and with mm-hmm. uh, some of my other friends and um, just be having some consistency in my adult years has been uh, really nice actually. Yeah,
1: I do think that. I mean, for me, I I do want to move away from Oklahoma. Oh yeah, just because I can. Yeah. I don't know, fuck this place, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, no,
0: Oklahoma, of all the places I've lived in, I never imagined I'd end up in the state that I was born in because <laughs> it's definitely the least lackluster of all the places I've lived, for sure. <laughs> it's pretty
1: boring here. But it does at least allow for, like... Uh, and this kind of goes into, like, I guess the music scene conversation, but, like, it because it's so cheap to live here, oh, yeah. it does allow like growing up as sort of a springboard to like save money and then be able to like go somewhere else and yeah, not have like a crippling amount of debt. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No. yeah, for sure. I mean, I was in, uh, I was working in uh, Colorado, um, about, uh, I think it was about two years ago, mm. almost maybe more or less, but, um, so the price of living there was insane. Yeah. I made some really good friends out there, uh, uh, and you know i would go hang out with them and, and they're like eight people living in the same house uh, oh
2: wow <laughs> yeah i
0: mean it was like not, it, it wasn't like a super nice place but it was like it wasn't that worse and mm-hmm. they all had like rooms it was a big place yeah. but like sh- like you have to you have to really you yeah know, pull your resources to live in a place <laughs> like that you know in denver mm-hmm. uh, and that was i mean that was probably one of my favorite places i've i continued. to Desire to live in some place like Colorado. Oh, yeah, yeah. The outdoorsy stuff. I'm like, I'm all about the outdoors. <laughs> so,
1: But I guess a question for you, because I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I've talked to lots of different musicians in the more like contemporary scene, but like the difference then becomes with like classical. It's like there's not really like a lot for classical musicians oh, yeah. in Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean... I always saw classical music as a springboard Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I still love it. I think Bach is probably, even though he's not classical, uh, one of the, (laughs) uh, one of the greatest composers of all time. Mm -hmm. I'm like obsessed. Uh, Even when I was in college, I was extremely obsessed with Bach. Um, But you know, I'm not really a big consumer of classical music these days. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it was like, I saw it like a, like a tool. Like, you know, it was like, this is how you're going to learn how you want to do what you want to do because there's already established, uh, like process and foundation for music learning and reading music and theory and everything. Um, and yeah, the, in Oklahoma, I mean, honestly pursuing anything in the classical realm is kind of antiquated at this point Yeah, because like (laughs) you're, you're either, you're like trying to draw in like old people or. You know, not a people, not a lot of people our ages are really all that passionate <laughs> about it. You know, and I mean, I think I think it it is to be appreciated. Mm-hmm. I think it's extremely rewarding, and it, it's it's extremely beautiful. And some of the greatest people that have ever written music wrote it that way. And, yeah, but it's not something that I'm wanting to actively pursue or or perform or do any of those things at at this point in my life.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know, I. I mean at this point I like can't but <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but it, it is more like uh, being a composer is a little different too because there is still like a little bit more avenues just because there's like the struggling pe- people that are trying to just do classical music at all there's like painted sky opera and mm-hmm. uh not that like these places are like struggling struggling but like everyone's having a hard time anyways yeah yeah um and then like jazz stuff and mm-hmm. everyone's kind of trying to find stuff to do. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: it's hard to to do anything with like the classic routes like jazz and, and, mm-hmm. and classical music uh, anymore. And I think I feel sorry for, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but I, <laughs> I feel sorry for some of the people that, that like actively actively pursue, like really go into hardcore, like trying to make it as a mm-hmm. exclusively a jazz performing musician or, um, a classically performing musician, like if you can get those few jobs that are, yeah. are actually re- um, financially stable and awesome, but, yeah. but it's, it's not something that a lot of people appreciate and you have to be really intrinsically rewarded in order mm-hmm. to, to want to do that. And if that's, that, that's, that's good too. There's argument for that as well,
1: but you also have to be the best of the best of the best. Yeah, and that's an extremely competitive <laughs> environment. Yeah. And that is kind of something that I feel like I keep saying this on the podcast, but like if you want to be a like a classical like performer, you have to have that drive in you to yeah. like you have to have that Kanye
0: you know, <laughs> you know like I'm the best of the best
1: like maybe. Not even that, but like actually just like be perfect yeah. Like if well yeah you just if ha- anything less than perfect is okay with you then don't do it
0: yeah i just like <laughs> you have to have that drive to practice your ass off yeah and i mean and like that can that can be great and that can be really rewarding and there's a lot of people out there that are r- amazing at guitar or amazing i mean that's my instrument but yeah yeah, yeah um it's just I, I don't have that in me mm-hmm. to, uh, and and i'm not driven to express myself and identify myself that way either. yeah. because like um i think it, well, a lot of like what pe- people do musically we tend to wrap up our identities with it yeah you know like it becomes part of your identity because you yeah. do it so much and uh and you know i think we have a to some degree we have a conscious uh ability to sort of control how we identify and how others identify us as i guess yeah and so um yeah personally i i don't want to be the classical <laughs> guitar player guy you know Yeah. so or i mean not that it's a bad thing
1: but. yeah You ever considered being a session music musician um
0: uh, yeah i mean maybe <laughs> i'm not much of a perform i'm like i like performing uh, mm-hmm. but but um i was way more driven than like and self-expression than mm-hmm. I was with like just playing guitar for guitar's sake. Yeah. Like it was always like, uh, I had that kind of itch to, mm-hmm. that I wanted to scratch really bad, which was like putting myself in yeah. some, in some, um, really interesting and, uh, intriguing way out, yeah. out into the world, you know? And, <laughs> and, uh, and I feel like I, I, like I, I, do personally feel that I have like some sort of, uh, I, Not a gift, but like I have the desire at least. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's what I I want to do. Is yeah, like, I didn't spend all those years practicing guitar, like, (laughs) all those hours every day, you know, just to basically just sit on my butt with it, I guess. And
1: yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I don't know. Like, sometimes it is a little scary for me because it, it is like I'm not the best at playing guitar or singing oh, or yeah. keyboard or I feel whatever. I, and feel, I,
0: don't, I feel completely emasculated whenever I see some of, these, <laughs> some of these guitar players on Instagram, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but like the thing that keeps me fr- um, in fear of that, uh, that that idea is that it's always kind of like, you're just competing with yourself. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's, that's how I've always treated it. Like I look at someone like um, Stephen uh, Loranta, or uh, I'm going I'm to hate myself for getting that wrong. If I, if I did, <laughs> But man, that dude can play guitar like nobody's <laughs> business. And I, I see these videos and I just kind of go, I just shudder. And I'm like, oh, God, uh, I'm probably 15, 20 years away from doing <laughs> that if I start
1: it now. Yeah. You know, so. Right. But like, I don't know. For me, that's not the goal. Like it's. Yeah. If I if I wanted to be like that good of a guitarist, if, yeah. I, if I wanted to be as good a guitarist as you, that ship has already sailed. Yeah. Like I. I'm not going to you be could, you that could, good. You could
0: do it. I, uh, you could do it. I, you, I mean, I'm. I'm like. I'm, I've got some technical competency, but like, <laughs> I mean, you could achieve that a couple of years if you, if you really tried. <laughs> but at the same time, like, uh, like the same thing that's keeping me from achieving even better mm-hmm. technical competency is the fact that I the music I want to write isn't really doesn't need a lot of that. Sure, like. Like that stuff's really awesome mm-hmm. when you see it being done, and then yeah. like, holy crap! Like, I can't believe that's being done. But um, there's a lot of in between room, and there's a lot of really amazing music that doesn't mm-hmm. even require that at all. Yeah, and uh, you already have a brain and like an ear. So like, <laughs> you know, I mean, if as long as you if you stay true to that, I think you'll yeah. That's and, that's and, and I think that's
1: important. that's an interesting thing is because like, I don't, I don't write things that, I don't want to write, if yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah, like, absolutely. And so, I can totally relate to that. Like, I think most of the things that I write for myself, at least, like, vocally, for example, that is that is my main instrument, mm-hmm. if, like, I consider myself a performer. Vocally, I know what I can do. I know I'm a pretty damn good singer for yeah. myself. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't write anything that, like... I can't do, but for like guitar, for example, I can't write stuff kind of outside of my ability. I can like, absolutely. I can theorize it, but guitar is an interesting one because it's like, it's so specific as to what it can do as to what the human hand is capable of on the neck of a guitar. Yeah. Like you can kind of just like throw notes on a page and put it on piano and people can probably do it. Uh, as long as the, like you put five, yeah five notes yep. per hand, See, and <laughs> th- th- there's something in that, uh,
0: that I uh, discovered when I started writing music for guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I used to write, I used to transcribe everything into my computer, mm-hmm. uh, with guitar pro and, um, which is like a notation tablature software sure. that you could, you know, put in rhythms and stuff. Um, and, so I I really tried really hard because I thought that this was the way to do it. Mm. Going for it, okay, I can just transcribe it in my computer. My computer will remember it forever. <laughs> I don't have to remember all the ideas in my head, and I'll have a record of it. And then I can play it and I can record it. Um, and you're using a lot of MIDI, so you're you're relying on like the finished product to sound like the MIDI kind of. Yeah. And you know, I noticed over time that everything I wrote into Guitar Pro sounded like it was written in Guitar Pro. Yeah. You know, like I was like transcribing directly from the guitar, but it I was so used to hearing the the recorded version on the Guitar Pro that, uh, you know, and then you also fall into traps like, well, it's easier to write um, things that don't have as interesting of a rhythm because because mm. you can just write like 16th notes yeah, all yeah. day and you can make a pretty melody that fits the chords really well, but it's not really all that interesting to listen to because it's just straight 16ths the entire time. Yeah. No offense to Bach or anything, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely <laughs> offense to Bach. Bach was overrated.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I noticed that when I started to... To use, actually start using a DAW and mm-hmm. like and and plugins and and really start to record the music and just use my ear, yeah. Uh, my, the results were leagues uh, in terms mm-hmm. of creativity,
1: way more interesting. Yeah, that that's something about the classical realm that I feel like has always been lacking, and it probably has a lot to do with like the tools by which we learn it, mm-hmm. and so there were so many times during my masters that i was like i want this thing but there's not a good way to show it on sheet music yeah and it's like why are there only like seven dynamics like this is stupid <laughs> yeah like yeah. quiet kind of quiet loud or like kind of loud loud yeah and then like you can go into the extremes of that but yeah. like it
0: i mean i think I think uh, transcribing is like really good for after you've written something because then mm-hmm. it's like okay, but like if you're writing into notation, like it just comes out. Oh no, I never did. Yeah, well, like, you either have to be, you have to be Mozart, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. or you know, because like otherwise, like you're basically it takes a a long time to construct a musical idea. Mm -hmm. And while you're in the process of it, you can be influenced by your own ideas that are happening on the spot. Mm -hmm. And if you're slowly putting things into a computer and you're not just building it all all on the spot, like with your ear, you can get wrapped into patterns really easily. Mm -hmm. Like, like I noticed that with my own guitar playing and when I'm writing music is that, um, I'll start to write something and I'll, I'll be grooving to it. I'll be liking it, you know, and then I'll be like, I'll, you do that thing with any creative process where you mm-hmm. step away for like 20 minutes right? then yeah, I mean, you yeah. come back and listen to it and you're like, Oh God, that's garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, like what the hell? Like I, yeah. I've read that like 17 times, yeah. you know? So like, that's, that's something that's really frustrating.
1: Yeah. Although um, sometimes it is like, cause I don't know, you can look at different composers and be like, Oh, they had this thing that they always did. Mm-hmm. And like maybe from like a, a music theory perspective, it's like, oh, this is just the thing that Beethoven always did. Yeah. Thing that Bach always did. Yeah. I wish but it like, was that. Word. Maybe if you like actually like talk to them with a time machine or whatever, they'd be like, I can't stop doing it. It just keeps happening. <laughs> I don't want to keep doing it, but yeah. it just keeps. And I'm like too, I'm too involved in the thing to yeah. now change it. So it's just like, I've done this thing 20 times and I just do it now. Well,
0: like, you know, <laughs> like for me, who especially some, like I try to use my ear most more than anything. Um, and it's taken time to develop my ear to a point where what sounds good to me isn't just the things I've done a lot, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and like, cause I, I think at least in my experience when I'm writing music, my, the chords that I use, um, and cause, cause you're also simultaneously trying to develop an aesthetic Mm -hmm. and the chords that I've been, I Sometimes tend to use are just because I like the quality of that chord. Yeah, you know, and so like I mm-hmm. I, sent, I tend to wrap myself into that circle because that's the aesthetic I'm going for, but then in doing that you 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 don't explore things that you could potentially be using. Or I mean, maybe you see they're not music exclusive. You can still do that. Yeah, but um, but it it can still be somewhat of a hindrance sometimes. I feel yeah. like I I hate writing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> it drives me yeah. crazy.
1: But, again, that is, like, maybe the tools that you're using kind of lend themselves to more easily do something like this. Yeah. And so it's, like, it makes sense that if you're, like, notating into sheet music, that, like, if you you just keep doing triads or something, it looks nice on the page Mm -hmm. because it, like... (laughs) <laughs> it's yeah. just like these stacked notes yeah but like depending on the instrument that you're playing it on like stacked triads on guitar suck oh no uh, <laughs> yeah you don't want to do that you don't do that um and stack triads on piano feel great yeah and so like i i something that really uh was
0: uh a, a, an awesome um like transition or tool for me was going from trying to write notate piano keyboards uh, like like mm. chord progressions into uh, music software going from that to going to strictly midi out like
1: uh, mm, looking at a piano roll yeah and yeah. like
0: i was like writing out my stuff and then i could like analyze it like just by looking at the notes and go oh that's that's this triad but i'm using like inversions or whatever mm-hmm. um and then i could build on that and then i could look at like this huge chord progression as like lines yeah you know and then i could go well wait, the voice leading would be better if I moved that third. Exactly. Down. And you can see it. Yeah. Better. yeah. And then like at the, like I spent, you know, I would spend like 10 hours working on like one short little por- chord progression. But then at the end you see all the lines mm-hmm. like matching and meshing well. And then it <laughs> looks like this tapestry and it sounds like this tapestry. Mm-hmm. That's actually logical and makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's way more rewarding <laughs> that way. I, yeah. Like the music notation is you have to have a brain for it in order to see it that way.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I just couldn't like. It, yeah, me either. Throughout, uh, yeah, throughout my masters, I would do everything in Ableton in like the piano roll and MIDI and stuff like that, and then I would export the MIDI file and then import it into Finale. Yeah. And literally every time, every time that I open up Finale and start using it, I say out loud, "I hate Finale." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's... I, I actually never really got... Uh, I used Finale when we did like music technology in, mm. in, in college, but um, I, it was never one that I really got super familiar with because I, I was always writing on guitar. Mm-hmm. Guitar Pro was just way more conducive to <laughs> that. Mm-hmm. You write numbers in different yeah, yeah. a tablature instead of just like... And the notation would just fill itself out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, I got like growing up, especially teaching myself for so long, like that whole five-year period of just me... Mm-hmm basically learning tabs all the time uh i got to where i could sight read tabs really well yeah uh and it was mostly just using your ear to figure out rhythm you know mm. so because um, there one there was back then we didn't have things like guitar pro yeah, yeah where you could where the rhythms like it plays it and there's a midi form of it as well it mm. was just like numbers and a graph on a, yeah on a crappy html document online or something yep. you
1: know ultimate guitar man
0: oh yeah no, i still use that that's mm. a i great, still use ultimate the guitar a all the time man greatest, greatest great. website of all time <laughs> it's like yeah if you want to learn guitar ultimateguitar.com find hey there delilah there you go it's like the number one place thousands
1: of <laughs> yeah. on that yeah yeah hundreds of comments saying like this is garbage yeah
0: this chord's wrong yeah every and then uh yeah every uh, guitar player has to learn stairway to heaven too so <laughs> That's always. I have
1: yet to learn "Stairway stairway to Heaven." Oh man! Maybe I will at some point. You got
0: to make some people cringe at a party (laughs) sometimes, or or go to Guitar Center and really piss people off.
1: (laughs) I I have played Wonderwall several times. There you go. I every time, ironically, but of course, yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. No, I actually learned Wonderwall unironically when I was like a year into it, thinking like, "Man, that's a good song." And looking (laughs) back, I'm like, "God, I was that guy."
1: So. (laughs) <laughs> but i don't know It it is kind of like yeah well like you're saying about learning guitar through tabs that kind of lends itself to a different kind of writing as well oh, yeah. and you you can feel and like see how it like looks nicely on your hands or something mm-hmm. and
0: you, you develop um Cause like I didn't, I was playing scales, but I didn't know any scales, yeah, yeah. you know, and it was all, and like, also if you, pl- I was also playing a lot of drop D tuning, mm. which tends to line things up really well, especially yeah. on the, f- like the top or the low of three strings. Yeah. Um, and so like, and you know, I was a hardcore metal head, so everything was chugging and, <laughs> and bar chords yeah. like, you know, all day. Um, but the, the patterns line themselves up really well. So you can, uh, you can play really fast and learn mm. these things that. Cause there's not a lot of like deviation in in the pattern. Right.
1: Uh, But. um, It's a yeah, yeah, yeah. And even like, (laughs) even like
0: scalar, like, you know, fast, like little riffs or whatever, all that stuff just makes a lot of sense. And Mm -hmm. it matches, it matches up well with the inlays. So like, you you know, you know exactly where to go and what sounds (laughs) good and everything. But then over time you realize that everything you're playing sounds like, like it's written that way, you know? Uh, (laughs) So once you kind of, that, like, that would be what I, how I would describe not playing with color. Yeah. And, you know, that's, a, that's still my own um, interpretation.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess, how do you break yourself out of a guitar sound? Because, like, again, the guitar is so... Uh, this is a concept that I always explore, um, and I feel like needs to be acknowledged uh, across everything, but it's like... uh systems have emergent properties that kind of determine what the tendencies are going to be within the system. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the way that the 12-note scale uh, is and how we use it and then how we separate that into seven-note scales and how the Mm -hmm. distance between mi to fa and t to do, like creates those tendencies that we hear in all of our music and like that is something that we need to acknowledge as like the emergent properties of this system is why we have cadences feel like this um and then the same thing it's like the shape of the human hand on the neck of a guitar creates certain tendencies
0: yeah uh (laughs) like so like as far as like writing something escaping whatever you know the guitar is is made to do like um, now, something I haven't done, which I think would probably be pretty beneficial would be playing in like really drastically different tunings mm-hmm. um but like I tend to try to get really knowledgeable of like standard tuning just personally because yeah. like that's kind of what we all learn how to do and yeah and it is there is a lot of sense into why it's tuned that way too but um uh but like just the b string being <laughs> It, it, at first, like yeah, no, that was for a long time. That was a big
1: it, that's pain the in the pain ass of my existence, man. It's, it's a big pain <laughs> in the ass.
0: B and E at the yeah, they, they can be pain in the ass. <laughs> um, ironically, I picked up five string bass recently because like, I I got a bass oh, okay. and there's there's no B string, mm-hmm. so. Like I'm playing scales on a five-string bass, and I want to do what I was doing on guitar. So like these triads that I'm trying to play on the top of the neck and stuff, they're like frustrating me because oh, they're yeah. not the way the guitar is made, you know? <laughs> no,
1: it's all the same. It's great. I know. I learned, I no, learned no, bass mean, first. It and makes so.
0: it makes sense that way, and I, I you know, I've, I've somewhat overcome that problem since mm-hmm. I've had the bass for a while. But <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, writing on the guitar, like if I'm going to do something, I'm basically using my ear to write something that is just intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that sounds like it's written on a guitar or not. I mean, usually it usually does just based on tone. Yeah. Um, but I'm not really ever trying to not sound like it's on a guitar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's escaping like the, the system of the guitar, mm-hmm. like you were saying. Um, I think I think you're less prone to fall within the system of the guitar than you are prone into the fall. You're prone to fall into the system of your own, like understanding of it. Yeah, you know, like because mm-hmm. that's way easier of a problem that, yeah. uh, to encounter and way more difficult to overcome than yeah. than because the guitar itself is like it, it's logical and um, but the but usually our understanding of it is is lesser than than uh, the system itself. You know, mm. and so. Uh, I'm more often than not just trying to overcome my habits yeah. and my uh, approach than I am, like, mm-hmm. you know, worried about like the guitar itself. Like there are chords that I wish I could play sometimes sure. that I don't have big enough hands or <laughs> or <laughs> yeah, voicings yeah. that I really want mm-hmm. uh, that just I somehow. I wish there was a lower note that I couldn't like, I, it's like, oh, I need an eight string guitar right, right, right. Know, or something like that.
1: And if you fall down that rabbit hole, you just gonna yeah. like get the big ass neck that yeah. it's like, I'm, I, I, I mean, I've
0: been, I've been I'm thinking about it. I'm playing a dulcimer it. now. <laughs> yeah. I've been thinking about it, but you know, I, I'm going to need more money before I can do something like that. <laughs> but um, actually, you know, actually this is an interesting uh, change of subject, but is there a, a are there like, is there a guitar or something that you really really like look at and like desire or an instrument maybe
1: or you know i i think i have like this idea of like extreme sort of pragmatic mm-hmm. approach to like so if you see over here mm-hmm. in my guitar rack yes, um, i was
0: exploring a little bit i
1: have an acoustic guitar which is my first guitar you had mentioned your first guitar in the last podcast mm-hmm. um it was from Daniel's girlfriend at the time in high school, Julia. If you remember I met, uh, met Julia, and like she would never played it or like I don't. It was in her family, and she was like, "Do you want it?" It's like, "Yeah." So that's been my guitar. <laughs> <All right. laughs> it's my first guitar. It's got a to it. I strummed yeah. it a little bit, and oh, it sounds pretty well, decent. cool because uh, it's been through a lot. It survived a car wreck. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I I had
0: uh, one suffer through a car wreck. Yeah. One of my electric guitars got destroyed.
1: Yeah. Um, And I've never had a case for it. So I always just. Man, those old beater acoustics around. (laughs) They they can
0: handle some, 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 you know,
1: struggles. (laughs) And so I kind of want like a, just a nice, like solid Martin or a Taylor or something. Just like, just a good solid wood, like. And that'll that'll be all I need for acoustic guitar forever. Yeah,
0: Uh, (laughs) I have a a buddy that I work with that um, he recently brought a a Martin. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was Martin. It was either a Taylor Martin, and I hate myself for not knowing the distinguishing factor (laughs) now.
1: But uh, Taylors are brighter, Martins are.
0: Yeah, I I I know I played on it, and I know that sounded amazing. Yeah, I I almost want to say it's the Taylor, but Mm -hmm. they the logos look really similar in my mind at this point. (laughs) um but i remember playing you know i my uh my steel string acoustic is uh it's a it's not that great or anything Mm -hmm. it sounds pretty but it's not one that i play on a lot Mm -hmm. um and i only have one other than like my first guitar that is like untouchable like not playable (laughs) no way uh so playing on something like that was it's really rewarding and really interesting yeah uh, it roughs your fingers up a little bit you know (laughs) um but those those can be fantastic guitars. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, But beautiful.
1: the thing is, is that like, so that was my first guitar, and I never knew any better, mm-hmm. and I kind of still don't. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, interesting. And, and so my my second guitar, uh, it's not here, but it was a like a fake Strat, like um, a Squire or something. Uh, no. Okay. So <laughs> I bought it from a goodwill for like twenty-five bucks because it was all messed up. And I like cleaned it and like it had like duct tape on it and oh yeah. Uh someone had like sharpie on like the the American idiot like Green Day grenade thing on the <laughs> that's wonderful. On the pick guard. <laughs> uh and I like scraped it off because I hate Green Day. And yeah, <laughs> I'm not a big fan either. <laughs> <laughs> but like that was my first electric guitar, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Man, like I have an electric guitar, and I like plugged it in." And so, like the the first recording I did, so like you can listen to my album uh, "Bloom" and "Home." The first track is the first thing I like ever recorded. I have,
0: I've listened to that track, uh,
1: and it is like it is that crappy guitar wow. with just like some delay and reverb. That's awesome, and it's like. You can listen to it, and and if you want to be like, oh, the tone is awful or whatever, like, I don't know. I didn't know any better. I like how it sounded, and yeah, that's what it was. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, and so I've never been, like, a gear snob or tone. Yeah. So I literally, whenever I got my second electric guitar, um, that is a Fender Strat HSS. Yep. Uh, the reason is because I literally Googled most versatile guitar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that sounds about right. And people were they're, like, they're awesome guitars. Get a strat with a humbucker. And yeah. It's like, cool. Yep. And <laughs> so yeah. that's literally the whole reason why I got it. It's well, just,
0: uh, so uh, I like, as far as tone and stuff, like I was, I was actually like this typical metalhead when I was growing up, <laughs> was like, cut the mids, boost the, the bass and boost the treble and just go at it. And like, yeah. it was just this like, kind yeah. of sounding just. But it sounded good for chugging I mean, and stuff like that.
1: I always scoop the mids anyway. Who <laughs> needs the mids. Oh, you got to have you got to have <laughs> mids sometimes. <laughs> Maybe on classical
0: uh, no, no, I'm telling you even like uh like some uh some solos stuff like uh you got it, like it sometimes it just makes it is that mm, good quality. <laughs> it's, but um
1: It's it's a necessary edge, but yeah. I
0: don't I don't like it at all. Well, lot. Uh, <laughs> uh like so I didn't I I played on a um my first electric guitar was a uh, not my first, the first song, the first electric guitar I ever played was a Fender Squire that my dad showed mm-hmm. me a song. He played, uh, I think I learned, uh, Ghost Riders in the Sky by Johnny nice. Cash. That was <laughs> the first thing I ever learned. I was like six years old. Uh, mm-hmm. and that was like all I knew how to play until I was like 14. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I got the Steel String Acoustic and played on that for like a couple of years and like obviously showed some interest and started learning some stuff. So I got a, an Epiphone Explorer, which is like a, just a black Epiphone Explorer
2: mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, that was actually the car that got destroyed in the car crash, oh, uh, not the man. guitar that got the car destroyed in the car crash. But, um, I played on that and, and like the, the tone quality was like looking back, if I, if I would play on it now, I'd be like, oh God, mm-hmm. you know, but I remember I went to, um, guitar center one day and I played a Gibson Explorer mm-hmm. and because I'd been playing on that other one for so long, like I plugged that into an amp and I started playing it and I couldn't believe what my ears were experiencing. <laughs> it was like. It was like night and day, huge, amazing tone difference. T- and just, I felt like I was a better player and all mm. that. And that was like the first step in like understanding how much tone impacts you're playing. And, sure. um, and so, um, then I, you know, I played on, I, I actually eventually got a, a Gibson Explorer, um, mm-hmm. which is, it's my main guitar, my electric, my main electric guitar that I've been playing for like 12 years or something now. Yeah. Um. Uh, and it's, uh, it's been through a lot with me and I love that guitar so much, yeah. but, um, I went from, uh, like I had an amp, sold the amp, had another amp, sold that amp and started doing direct interface in my computer. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and whenever they first started doing those, that, that software, I think I did the, uh, uh, in college, I started using uh, bias effects mm. and bias effects has got some pretty good tone, but in the last like two years, uh, this company called Neural DSP hmm. released these what they call archetype packages, these plugins, and uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna com- like recommend this this brand <laughs> to anybody who wants a direct interface in their computer. Get Neural DSP. Uh, you can try out any of their plugins, uh, entirely for free for like two weeks or a week or something. Yeah. And then you can, and I, actually right now they're, uh, stuff they have to do black Friday sales. So everything's 50% off. Yeah. yeah. You're like $60 for like an amazing guitar right. plugin.
1: I was like every, every year it's like the black Friday sales come in and like, I see my emails and I'm like, no, I <laughs> yeah. not want money. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I mean, I, I mean, I can't recommend like, I've got, uh, I've got three of their, their plugins. I've got archetype, nolly archetype, pliny. And uh, their bass plugin, which is called Parallax. Hmm. Um, and I use Archetype Pliny for every solo. That And I mean, like the tone quality is, it's like butter. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it just makes me feel so warm and fuzzy inside. So, yeah.
1: But And that's the thing. It's so like, because I'm not a guitarist, I've never really cared enough. I mean, I do care more now obviously uh well not obviously but like i don't know i am a little ashamed of the pv viper sink uh, sitting in the corner there um yeah, I, I haven't heard it so i don't know but right but <laughs> it's like it's like one of those starter amps that yeah. like every teenager gets and mm-hmm. it like it does everything decently enough yeah like it it has its own like built-in effects it has like some sort of uh solid state right yeah, yeah. um but it's like it's Very digital sounding, yeah. Uh, solid state, <laughs> you know.
0: yeah. No, that's uh, that was my problem uh, playing because my my first like good amp was a line six spider three, yeah, exactly. You know, and that's the other one, yeah. And that <laughs> one is, I mean, you know, it was great for distortion, it's what I played all like my live shows with my middle band and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the clean tone was like, I was always, I'd always play it and just be like, yeah, oh, that sounds like crap i can't Mm -hmm. play that and then i uh i was dating this girl and she uh got a uh she got a tube amp and i started playing that a little bit here and there and i mean that was like okay hold on
1: kept the amp left the girl (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: like i mean that was a um eye-opening experience like okay hold on there's there's a there's a world of clean tone out there that i am not Mm aware of and you know it takes a lot of experience over time you just get exposed to things that you don't have always have access to and, yeah, yeah and then eventually you're you're like you hear the guitar you play through the guitar or whatever on some some tone and you're like okay no nothing
1: yeah to, yeah nothing so to. i mean for me at this point i i plug directly into the interface and whatever tools i have in ableton or in like yeah. whatever other plugins that i have um what's the the native instruments guitar pro i think is the um
0: uh, oh Native Instruments they've got I th- I have a lot
1: of their plugins. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I know what you're talking about. I yeah, and it's just like the the guitar effect yeah, yeah. rack thing. And like their amps sound good to me. They're yeah. like all Dude, their effects I'm, sound good uh, to at me. Some so point, it's like I don't care.
0: At some point uh, if we ever get a time to like hang out and play some music i I'm going to bring my laptop or uh, <laughs> and we'll we'll plug into the the monitors and you can mess around with Archetype Nine <laughs> cuz that is like there's some tones on there that um it's so spacey and like yeah huge just buttery clean sounding good stuff like it, i mean it's it's unbelievable that they're able to do that with digital software now yeah so
1: well i mean at this point like all of the software and like you know modeling plugins and stuff that like recreate outboard gear and stuff like they're getting better and better and better yeah and like even the top of the top like professional like mastering engineers and stuff yeah will like listen a b and be like can't tell i i couldn't tell you which one i like this one better well that's the digital one yeah <laughs> yeah
0: i mean and all not only that it's just ease of use too. like you mm-hmm. plug right in your computer and you your daw's open and it's right yeah. there and it's who like, needs
1: a freaking patch bay anymore yeah
0: i don't even own an amp anymore yeah
1: i don't yeah. have one like
0: i'm I, it's like i have one crappy one it sits in storage and that's mm-hmm. it so yeah
1: well that's sitting in the corner because it's exactly like it's necessary for just like playing things loudly yeah that's all it is
0: yeah exactly exactly <laughs> And I I don't do any live performances and and I haven't done a live performance since college. So (laughs) even then it was acoustic. So, you know.
1: (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know, like it, people get into this idea of gear or whatever, but I think it really is about just like having the tools that are just available to you and learning to use them. If you get a new tool, learn to use that too. Yeah, And it just becomes a part of you. Mm -hmm. And instead of like, you know trying to seek out like oh there's this next better thing that Mm -hmm. i can buy and it'll make me sound that much better it's like no Mm -hmm. just have what you have and like learn it and learn yourself and learn how you play yep and do you the best that you can
0: i learned a lesson uh from from that even what you're discussing right now (laughs) um because like i was for the longest time i was the doll i was using was a reaper Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like a it's not free but it's it's free, it's free. Yeah, we, we all know come on uh, I did Who I did I did I did pay for reaper I, I will say that it, congratulations uh, yeah I just I was you know I was like I, you know I used it for like probably five years before I started to say, okay it's probably time um, they are but,
1: very grateful yeah yeah
0: so um, but reaper I mean it's a fantastic dog I mm-hmm. think it's you know I've used a couple of different ones now and i even have uh i have cubase as well mm-hmm. um and i got cubase thinking like okay this will probably take my stuff to the next level or whatever and i like cubase a lot it's really mm-hmm. it's really awesome um and there's some things that it has that uh, reaper doesn't have but i could probably still i got really comfortable with reaper yeah and all the hotkeys and like and like mm-hmm. w- just the workflow yeah and and relearning everything on a new DAW that is basically doing the same thing, yeah, was kind of like I just felt kind of like, <laughs> duh, Brendan, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. so
1: yeah, and that's I mean for me as a like composer first producer, yeah, it is like I don't know i I use Pro Tools mm-hmm. obviously as you can see here. It's one We're recording uh, the I've, podcast. I've I've,
0: I've I've pervaded. I've looked at it from a <laughs> distance,
1: but for creating music. If I want to make something, I hate Pro Tools, really? Um, and so Ableton Live was the first thing that I ever learned. Uh, again, the like my debut album is entirely in the light version of Ableton, which only let you have like eight tracks, only like a certain number of effects, wow. a certain number of different things. And I did that whole album yeah. with the light version of Ableton. Uh, and the way that Ableton works, is different than any other dw and so like you i don't know i learned how to record audio differently mm-hmm. and so usually whenever people that have been using other daws for a while will open up ableton and be like i don't know what's going on here
0: yeah um, that's like that's my thing with every DAW. it's, it's like okay youtube tutorials how do we let's, yeah let's go but
1: for me it was like I don't know what this is, so let me just like drag that there. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right, that does something. All yeah. right, let me drag that. Yeah, there. There's plenty it's, of like, that too. Super intuitive with Ableton Live. Oh, okay. Whereas with Pro Tools, it's like it just opens up and this blank page, and it's just like I don't know what to do here. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can and see like that. you'll, like you can open a track, and then it'll be like, here you go. Here's an audio track. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, I felt that like, way. Pro Tools assumes that you are doing something before you do. Yeah. It's the same thing with Finale. Mm -hmm. Uh, Finale is like new file and it's like, what are you making? Yeah, it's like I don't know what I'm making, man. I'm just yeah. trying to yeah,
0: just trying make to start something, something. Yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> and, and that's incredibly constraining to the creative process. Instead, you just like yeah, the more decisions you have to make before
0: you go into it, the mm-hmm. the more ridiculous. Like, the, the, you sit down, you finally try to sit doing
1: something, and it's you've already gone through so much of a process. Yeah, and so like in Ableton, you can just like make up I don't know, put one MIDI track. And just put, like, a sine wave synth on it. Mm-hmm. And you can already do, like, that's anything how, on piano, anything on, like, that's guitar. How it's about Reaper, too. Ooh, it's just, like, a simple sine wave, and then you'll mess with tone later. Yep. And then you have notes, and you have complete creative freedom, and you can throw effects on it, you can do anything you want. Yep. And I think learning from that way, like, thinking of sound and thinking of notes first... And then going out into, all right, what do I want? Tone. What do I want? Yeah. It, uh, it's kind of like doing a rough, you,
0: you do a rough carving and then you, you polish it later, you know? Yeah. And like, that's, that was, that's always been my writing process too, is establish the foundation. And yeah, I, I used to write, uh, I used to just try to start writing like a melody or something, but nowadays I, I do it all from the ground up. Like, I yeah, build chords and
1: and then melody comes after i've got this whole thing already built mm-hmm. you know so i mean a lot of times i'll just like sit here just like pressing a key over and over again just like eh, no, eh, no, eh, no boop, uh, oh yeah just like dude going through the sounds no, dude, every instrumentation one.
0: is gotta be uh like the one of the blights of my existence because <laughs> like uh Because like if you don't get the instrumentation right as you're going along, like that the the instrumentation you're using drastically changes like how you're influenced to make the ideas that you want to make. Like uh, I can start a song thinking like I'm gonna go in this. I'm gonna make like a pretty heavy metal thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna start it off with like this clean tone or something, and like build something ethereal, and then go into Mm -hmm. something heavy or whatever, you know. And As I'm going through my instrumentation and I'm adding Mm. layers and stuff, I eventually just go like, no, this is not heavy at all. This is totally clean, pretty. Yeah. You know. And Mm I I mean like the and the only thing that changed that was the fact that the instrumentation I started using was like it meshed way better and it sounded way cooler. And it inspired this whole different idea. Like I went down a completely different rabbit hole.
1: Yeah. You know. And kind of going with that like classical music idea we were talking about earlier. I feel like classical music because of the medium of looking at sheet music and you already have the instrument and that's what you're playing. Yeah. uh, You don't spend enough time thinking about what sound is. (laughs) And so it's like a, a piece of music, whenever you learn it and play it, you can be like, Oh, this sounds very like, you know, joyous and playful. And, like, the articulations sort of start to come out the more that you play it, even Mm -hmm. if, like, the articulations weren't there. It's like, oh, you know, this is kind of plucky rather than, Mm -hmm. like, elongated. And, like, that's not something that will necessarily show up in the music unless you, like, keep learning it. Yeah. And so sound is as important as like pitch and notes yeah. and rhythm. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I noticed, um, when I, when I
0: was in school was, um, like you, you want to learn a piece and you start learning it and you, and you get all the notes down mm-hmm. and then you sit down with your professor or whatever, and you play it for them and they go, okay. And like, you already have this thing in your head of like how you, maybe you have like an idea of what you want from it. Mm-hmm. And you start playing it that way. And then they go, okay, that's, that's interesting. Um, they start to lay out some rules or not some rules, but like some logical criticisms Mm -hmm. and like, um, like, okay, well, why are you doing that that way? Mm -hmm. And you start to think about it and and, you know, you're like, like that was probably one of the more uh, interesting and rewarding aspects of college was just having somebody to bounce my performance off of. And just cause they're like, well, is there any intention behind that? Or is that Mm -hmm. just like what you think is cool. Yeah. You know, and it's like, there's, I think there's value to both of those things, but I think the intention thing is way more mm-hmm. important because, um, cause especially classical music, you're, you're, you're playing a drama. Like, yeah, it's like a, it's, it's like a Shakespeare play or something, you know, mm-hmm. like, and you want it to make sense. You want it to, uh, sound a certain way as it progresses and then reach a certain climax or, yeah. um, and, and so, yeah, you need the intention for it to make sense. Otherwise you're just yeah. you're just playing notes
1: on a page. Right. Well, and this is where it gets like a bit headier about music, but like the the inevitable conversation is like just what is music? Mm-hmm. And so the I love that conversation. The, the shortest possible answer that I've reduced it to is just sound with intent. Um,
0: yeah, that's I mean, that's basically my definition, too, because <laughs> uh, I, I, I take it. I've always been kind of asked the question more broadly of like, what is art, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and I think music falls in that also. But um, I always defined it as like anything you say is art is basically art. And, yeah, you know, Intention. yeah, it's like I, <laughs> well, I say that's art. So it's art. And I've been I've had people laugh at me for saying that. And I say, OK, well, what's your definition? Mm-hmm. And they've kind of. Re- came back with me something and like I go a
1: painting or something. Yeah. It's like, well, was, would you just, say that like a film is art? And- yeah. <laughs> it's
0: like, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's very interesting. Cause it is, it's, it's so subjective mm-hmm. and you know, uh, like I had some, I think somebody told me like, well, it's something that you create. And I was like, okay, well, what if I created like a toilet and put it in the middle of a museum hall or something? You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's not art. Well, it's like, well, I created it. I think it's beautiful. You yeah. know, it's like,
1: so it, yeah, and so like sound, <laughs> sound with intent is like the most reducible that you can do it. So it's like, if a if a tree falls in the forest, uh, it's just it just makes a sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a tree falls in the forest and you record it and you play it back to someone, uh, then it's music.
0: You know, yeah, <laughs> and you know, and what's uh, Something this is probably a little bit off topic but it's it's something that I've always thought was really or this is this is kind of high talk maybe yeah, I'm yeah. not high but <laughs> but like uh all of our um, like experiences like in terms of like mm-hmm. our, our senses and stuff that's all created in your brain mm-hmm. you know and so like what you see and what you touch and what you feel and, and what you hear aren't really I don't know like what are they outside of like the human yeah. experience you mm-hmm. know I mean, what is sound other than just vibrations and, and, uh, and how, how, I mean, like your experience at, uh, your experience of sound is all like created by your brain. Yes. You know? So (laughs) like, that's just like, um, it's, it's it's interesting to consider, I guess.
1: Yeah. But, and then, so like how it goes in and then how you like interact with it is sort of where this interesting exploration becomes Mm -hmm. and so it's like we can listen to the sounds of birds and be like that's beautiful Mm -hmm. but like to birds they are just like they're out there just yelling yeah like like it's (laughs) some form of language so like we interpret like the sounds of nature as beautiful Mm -hmm. for some reason and it's because we associate it with something and this these relationships that we can create and so it's like because of that like intention is sort of where i think the the like necessary qualifier is because we imbue the meaning to it yeah Uh, god is dead and we killed him so (laughs) we have to uh create our own meaning for our lives yeah there's there's
0: (laughs) some truth to that as well uh you know another interesting characteristic about music is that it 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 is so visceral and Mm -hmm. that it uh it's like invisible, but you can, it has like a, it has like a shape, a color and a a roundness to it. And, you know, and all these things that we can only describe in sort of abstract terms and Mm -hmm. and it exists in the abstract as well. And that, um, like I, I, I often wonder like what music is to, to people. And actually it's one of my favorite, obviously it's one of my favorite things to talk about, (laughs) but, uh, I, I always ask like, one, when I, when I get the opportunity and I sit down with somebody long enough, like mm-hmm. what, um, what, what about music like draws you to it? Or like, what is your, what is the thing you're seeing? What is the thing you're seeking from it? Yeah. You know, cause, um, cause I know I've spent a considerable amount of time in my own <laughs> life thinking about that <laughs> my myself. Like what, yeah. what is my, what do I want for music and why, what, what draws uh, myself to it? And, yeah. And, uh, and, it, my, I, and like, I, I, keep harping on the color thing, but like that was, uh, that's what I slowly developed or learned about myself was that was what I was looking for. It was like this, this abstract sort of painting in some ways.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, I think for me is, uh, it's a form of communication. Absolutely. And so the, the way that music can convey information differently than, language than uh, touch than visual art and the craft of maneuvering that communication is very intriguing and important and so like to me the i'm searching for ways to convey information more effectively and more uniquely yeah and so it's simple enough to convey pain with just, like, screaming. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's another way of conveying pain by, you know, taking a guitar sound and distorting it. Mm-hmm. And, like, these are two different sounds, but you can use them together or yeah. separately to convey a similar message that's something i didn't ever um
0: i I mean it's something i've definitely considered but it's not something that i've like it's not been in the forefront of my mind when i've been writing is like what are you conveying right now yeah Uh, what are you trying uh, to say yeah uh and uh ironically i mean it's not ironic but some of the best pieces i've written i think personally like at least the ones that i've i've received the most sort of um like uh, commendation for, from friends and family that have heard mm-hmm. him were the ones that I, I did actually go in with the intent of like, mm-hmm. I want to convey a feeling about something right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was, that always made my music better. Yeah. You know?
1: And, and sometimes you don't even know.
0: Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. You can actually start <laughs> yeah.
1: writing something and then kind of hear it after the fact. And then that can just go, wait, no, that's, that's that. Yeah. And, holy and, crap! And the whole process of creating something that even if you don't, know what you're trying to say as you're working on it as you're refining it you're like oh this is what i'm trying to say Mm -hmm. and so i always kind of uh use the metaphor of finding the statue in the marble and so you're chiseling away at the marble that isn't the statue yeah and so like even if you don't know what the statue is beneath you might like hit something and be like Oh, it goes in that direction. Absolutely. And no, that's, no
0: that's, that's totally right. Um, and I can even, uh, like, I used to draw a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I've definitely been always more artistically oriented than, I mean, I'm terrible at sports. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, that was kind of like the, ju- the juxtaposition of my childhood. Uh, but, like, learning that I was, like, a fairly creative individual. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, I would always draw. And that, I think what you're describing now is, has actually kind of been what my aesthetic has been for a long mm-hmm. time, which is just... Start creating and figure out what you're creating as you're creating it.
2: Yeah, and
0: even when I was drawing as a kid, I would just start drawing on paper and like whatever. I I had no idea what I wanted to go and start drawing, yeah. but I would just start making lines, and then and that would turn into these big drawings. And um, and the same thing with a lot of my music. Uh, and mm-hmm. something even with photography too. I mean, it's probably the only thing that I couldn't say I've done that with is like videography because you have to go into that with a uh, in- intent. Sure, like, it's like I'm <laughs> going to make a video of this because yeah, you know, <laughs> I never went into like I just never started videoing things and mm-hmm. uh, and then just try to so, well, what am I trying to convey?
1: Yeah, and that's where like some like avant-garde filmmaking can come from is like someone just like walks around with a camera and then like the process of editing sort of refines what like what do I want to show people yeah it's a similar thing again with creating music is like you can try a whole bunch of different ideas and only the stuff that gets kept in is what people see yeah uh but like there's this whole process of like, Oh, not that note. And like, you have all of these options that it could have been. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah.
0: the, uh, that's one thing that I've, I've had a difficult time doing is like establishing what I, what kind of style of music I want to convey Mm -hmm. to the world is like, I haven't really released an album or anything. I've, I've written a lot of stuff on my computer, but Mm -hmm. I haven't really put together like a cohesive like idea or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and and all the stuff that i've written it's like all over the place you know i've got like a lot of different genres and um, yeah and i've just it's basically it sounds like if you were to list it all in succession it sounds like i'm throwing darts out into the world and just trying to hit random stuff Mm -hmm. you know but um i think a lot of that stems from the fact that um i do i think i i tend to like lean towards like progressive music Mm -hmm. and um and just uh, I listen. To, I tend to consume a lot of different genres of music. So whatever inspires me in the moment is just yeah. whatever comes out. I guess.
1: Yeah, and I I've made it a point to not be pigeonholed by genre. Yeah, so I think that, it's, <laughs>
0: that's so the that way I it, can
1: do anything. And so it's like I know that on my next album I have like some pop songs, I have some rock songs, I have some like. I don't know jazzy songs like it's it's all different stuff but it's still all me and I can see how it's like cohesive and all of these stories that I'm telling all of these things that I'm saying through music and like like I mean like instrumental
0: music uh it's kind of like, I think I've heard you even say this. I think I remember you saying this on your podcast with your brother <laughs> as I listened to that one, but, um, it's like music for music's sake, you mm-hmm. know? And that's what I think is, I, I mean, that's my, uh, that's what I appreciate at least. It's <laughs> like, I, cause I'll even listen to stuff that isn't really all that appealing, but just because it is, I can tell that, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. it isn't, but I can, I, at least to me, it seems like the, the intent is that I'm just making music because it's me and this is what, and what I'm throwing out in the world. And, yeah. and, uh, and whatever that may be, it whether it's interesting or not, it's still like it still is semi interesting just based <laughs> on the fact that it is that it's like human creation.
1: But it still says something. Yeah, like there's no way to listen to like Beethoven's Pathetique and not hear that he's saying something.
0: Oh yeah, that's no, um, beautiful. <laughs> I, I I went through a Beethoven thing for a while, and that was that was one man yeah yeah and it's like beautiful,
1: sure. there's there may be some notes or you can dig into like Beethoven's history and what he was going through at the time or something like that. yeah, but it's like you almost
0: don't even need any of that, yeah, like, to really feel some sadness in that one or something yeah, you know?
1: and so it's like there's there's a lot in it, yeah, um And so, like, no matter what, something is still being said and you can interpret it differently, but like there's something some kernel of something that we're all trying to communicate whenever we make music whenever we listen to music and we're receiving these messages yeah um and so one of my favorite things that I've learned how to play on piano is um one of the Chopin preludes the e minor which is it that one that's like uh like the one note
0: yeah 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 Yeah, no i know exactly what you're talking about it's It's (laughs) oh it's beautiful
1: yeah and And it's it's so simple it's so simple and it's like the chords move mostly stepwise Mm -hmm. and like the melody is like pretty much just two notes yeah um but it's so powerful and so profound and so sad. Oh God. Like, how is this so sad?
0: Yeah. That, <laughs> that is a, there was this uh, video that it was a Ted talk. I think you may have seen it, but it was mm. by this guy named Benjamin Zander. And, uh, he did a why everyone loves classical music or something, I think is what mm. it was called. And he used that piece and he, uh, if you, if, if nobody's seen this, check it out. It's, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, but he uses that piece, and and he asks like uh, the audience a question, like put this in your mind before I play this, <laughs> and then he plays it, and like oh god, man, it's yeah, like yeah. god, okay, well now I'm like I'm probably gonna go cry in my room for a little bit. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's 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 uh, it's a powerful video, and that piece is is unbelievably powerful for how simple it is.
1: Mm-hmm. And so it's like I don't know what. Or why, like, <laughs> yeah, but like it is, and it's powerful, mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah. So oh, um, Chopin's amazing. This was going long enough. There's one more little point that I want to raise for at least like five minutes. Okay, is um, a friend of mine was showing me uh, something. It was either a piano or guitar piece, and like as soon as it started, I was like, "Oh, this is very French." Okay. And then I stopped, and I was like, "How does something sound French?" Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I've been dealing with this question for a little while now, and it's like I know what French sounds like. Yeah, I can't tell you like what specifically about it. Yeah, well, I mean, is French music, or is Italian or is English or whatever? Well, I think I think that's um,
0: an interesting point to bring up about music that we haven't actually <laughs> discussed yet is that. Uh, in its inception, I think music was, it hasn't, has always been like very much culturally oriented Mm -hmm. and like, I mean, every, every civilization on planet earth has music as a part of it.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: even like, you know, tribes in Africa and, you know, that have, have no exposure to Western society Mm -hmm. or anything like that. It's, uh, it's almost innately cultural. Yeah. And we only reached, uh, like. We've only reached a point now where we we have become this sort of global society or mass society, yeah. This mass culture that has existed or is is coming to fruition here in the United States, and and across the modern Western world or whatever. But um, so like it's weird that the that as we become a, a more globalized society, uh, mm. the less the cultural uh, uh, aspects of the music is. I feel has has become to be. Um, well, what's, what am I trying to say? Like the, we were, we were become, um, there's like a, there's this process where we're sort of like, like, like for example, when I lived in Mexico,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, a lot of the music that the popular music that mm-hmm. you, you heard on like the t- TV or whatever was like very much Western music. Like yeah. it was like, it was like pop music in the United States, Yeah, you know? And like, they have their own music, like, and you can hear like their traditional stuff like, um, and you can hear like their, you know, ranchero music and stuff yeah. like that. And, and kind of know that, that that's definitely more Mexican than what we're hearing on the TV right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, I think as as the world gets bigger, it's also simultaneously getting s- smaller in yeah. some ways, you know, because, because we're, our culture is sort of taking over those and yeah. they're having to maintain their traditional practices just to ma- ensure that people know what they are mm-hmm. because because ours are just sort of going like, no, that's that's what music is now. Yeah. Now with that, there's also the fact that I think it's very liberating in some ways too mm-hmm. because in our – like anything goes for the most part yeah. in our society in, in the age of the internet. Mm-hmm. You can make anything. It's not like the 80s when everything was on like six different radio stations, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. So, yeah, it's very – I think it's been really good for creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure that it's a bad thing that we're uh, eliminating uh, this, these traditional practices. I mean, it, it's kind of a sad thing, but I think it's inevitable.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know. But a final note, yeah, which is just like we should approach these things that are highly valued to us with a – a form of respect, a oh form absolutely, of, uh, sanctity. Mm-hmm. That uh, even though, uh, again, uh, God is dead and we killed him, <laughs> we create our own meeting and we have to determine what values that we have. And so, when we when we take something that is important to us and like desaturate it with whatever other meaninglessness that we <laughs> inject with our lives, uh, will eventually come to find that everything is meaningless and
0: yeah, yeah I mean, that's, it'll just I, be bland. <laughs> I, I do think that you, I, you gotta create your own meaning in life mm-hmm. for sure. That's like, like I, I don't, I don't feel like there's a lot of, I I think that's a liberating idea also is mm-hmm. that, that you, if you are creating your meaning, like, uh, that's, that's good. It's good for you. Yeah. You know,
1: but, like to to treat those things that are important to you with respect and Absolutely. sanctity to be able to go like this is music and I admire it and it is important to me and so I want to treat it with a form of reverence mm-hmm. um, and that kind can, of puts can, us in a place. I to, can't help but
0: hold reverence for music, you right? Know? It's but it's so beautiful I, I, it's hard to not feel that way
1: but but there's other things in our lives that it, it does seem as though like we're sort of losing this form of uh reverence for whether it be like i don't know art music food uh democracy no. yeah i mean yeah i think it's um
0: conversation it's relative. relationships
1: people i think it's relative it's
0: relative you know
1: uh
0: it's hard to say that generally, but, um, but yeah, I think there is some truth to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, uh, as long as you're doing it on a individual level, I think holding mm-hmm. that reverence and that respect, yeah, then, yeah. then that's all you, <laughs> that's all you really can control anyway. <laughs> right. Right. So
1: Brendan, thank you so much for doing this with me.
0: Oh, dude, this is an honor. I, I had a great time.
1: Play your stuff one more time. Uh,
0: yeah. My Instagram is, uh, Brendan Scott, B R Y N D O N at uh, period s-c-o-t-t and then uh that's just like my private account where i post music and uh pictures and stuff and then um i have my two uh photography accounts and uh, bsy.photo and bsy.portrait so Heck yeah you can find all my stuff there yeah check it out
1: and then maybe even pay him to get your photos taken oh yeah <laughs>
0: or i'll write you a song or something for your video game <laughs>
1: Uh, well, awesome man uh, I'm Santiago Ramones I'm Brendan York you can find everything that I do on my website SantiagoRamones.com I make music Bloom is available now streaming everywhere put it on in the background or show it to your friends so you can all enjoy it together you can also buy it on Bandcamp and get bonus content so you can sit alone in the dark with your headphones on and listen to the album in its entirety while reading and looking at the bonus content I also make music with PowerCycle, an experimental electronic trio. Our first completely improvised album, Too Many Damn Cables, is streaming everywhere. To support this podcast, leave reviews, comments, tell your friends about it, and buy my music. Because by supporting me, you're supporting the podcast. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are, love never fails, it's going to be okay, I might be wrong,